Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of the world's greatest podcast. That's the way the cookie crumbles. That is right. Stands back. Me and Jim had a little twosome midweek. Kept him, kept him outside. We locked you out last week, didn't we, Stan? He did. Yeah, he didn't let me in uh, with your threesome, which is annoying because we do have a weekly threesome. Yeah, it's because you've not been putting the bins out in time recently. Been really slacking. No. That, that's it. I mean, I didn't want to bring it up, but you know, my mum's already had a go at me. So, if I, if I speak, I'm in trouble. Mm. Have we all had a nice week? Final week of lockdown, Jim. You had a nice week. Um, yeah. Um, mm. Just secured um, a temporary advent calendar that today, actually, because I've said nicely got one, so I bought a, um, a selection box instead. I think it's a good replacement just for the six days. What about Very you? Nice. Uh, I've been all I've been all right, Jim. I mean, every day as it comes, can't can't wait to get out of lockdown. Have you been, Stan? Good, yeah. Like you say, coming out of a national lockdown into a tier two, we are one of the uh, lucky ones. Not as lucky as Cornwall in tier one, but uh, let's stick together, guys. Stay safe out there, and we'll get yeah. there. We will. Cornwall, the only place to get four thousand fans in the stadium, being in tier one. But for all our American listeners, and we do have a few, Stan and Jim. We, we've been put into a, a tier system where tier two, where we live, you're allowed up to, is it 2,000 fans in the stadium where we live? Yeah, yeah. So Merseyside, where we might live or not, um, is where obviously Everton and Liverpool <laughs> play. So they'll be allowed 2,000 fans into their stadium. Tier one Allegedly. is obviously, as you said, 4,000 or 50% of, of, you know, of your capacity if it's less than 4,000. Uh, there's still quite a lot in tier three. Uh, and Bielsa has obviously come out and said that there should be no fans in the stadium till everybody is able to get them, but that's an argument for another time. But yeah, we are fortunate to be in tier two, and it starts this weekend, the fans coming into the ground. So the first, uh, I think the first game actually is United-West Ham on Saturday, where there's fans allowed, R5. So we'll see how it goes. That one will have to be away, won't it, Stan, for to get the fans in there? Down in London. Sticking with teams who are in the top tier, Jim. City absolutely smashed Burnley this weekend. They were shit. They were. But yeah, City in the top tier. That's that's questionable this season. I think it was 14th before this game started. But we'll take it. We'll take it. Um, yeah, City 5 0. Um, I think we beat Burnley a few times 5 0. That seems to be a reoccurring scoreline. Um, but I think that's the first time this season in what, 14, 15 games. They've actually been clinical, um, like scoring every single time they went up there. Uh, I can't remember any, any big missed chances, which is unusual, say, from a City team. And there was a lot of um, pessimism before the game. I went onto my timeline, it was all like, oh, this lineup's awful. And yeah, I get it, because he's starting Rodrigo and Gundogan in a midfield, a double pivot against Burnley at home. But Gundogan was a bit further forward, and everyone was slagging off Mares, rightly so, from last week. And he goes and gets his, that's his first City hat-trick. Um, Got one for Leicester. Yeah. yeah, so I think it was his first City hat-trick. Second goal especially. I know you were saying before it was a bit of a, a mad one, but Burnley fell asleep and Leicester finished, um, Leicester, Maris finished it nicely. Fell asleep, that's you Leicester. being kind, Jim. But they're on the third alarm going off and they've still not woke up, Burnley. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> the snooze, isn't it? Yeah, the snooze, isn't it? We've all been there, though, in the cold morning, snoozing the alarm. Yeah, when it's dark. Ben, he couldn't be asked getting up. <laughs> um, oh, no, yeah, I, I, mean, I think um, 
Myers obviously man of match is actually you can't take away from him. But it was just really, really nice to see John Stones play that well. Um, and he wasn't played through injury, which is a big question. I thought Laporte might have picked up something in training if he's not starting. <clears> but um, Stones played against Olympiacos uh, the Wednesday, I believe, prior. I think it was Wednesday. Um, and he played brilliantly. He didn't put a foot wrong. Yeah, he didn't have much to do. I think Olympiacos had two shot, two touches in our box. But again, at Burnley, he was solid. And if Guardiola's going to be his ruthless self and... He's dropping Sterling too. He's dropped Sterling twice, and apparently it's not through fatigue or injury. It's just they're not finishing chances. And he's warned Hazus already. He misses a lot himself. I think John Stones took his chance, and he should start the next game, whether that be Porto um, this week or whether it's Fulham on Saturday. It's nice to see John Stones in it, Stan. Almost the the forgotten man at City, bought for fifty million quid. I want to say about four or five seasons ago, Jim. John Boy, mm-hmm. and was yeah. supposed to be the, well, not the next big thing, but he was supposed to be a lot better than what he is, but injuries, falling out of favour, this, that, and the other. Me personally, Stan, it's nice to see him back in. Yeah, I like yeah. him. Um, definitely one of the forgotten men, and one of one of the uh, forgotten men from that World Cup that England did. Uh, a lot of people remember that defence. tend to forget that John Stone's featured in every game uh, in that back three with, with Walker and Maguire, and... and yeah, he hasn't really lived up to his potential for, you know, injuries. And uh, I don't think he's ever been able to uh, to shake off that mistake that he's always adding in, which I think you, you let defenders off when they're a bit younger. Very rarely you have incredible 22-year-old centre-backs with no mistakes. But Stones is getting in his mid, mid to late 20s now. Um, and he's still, Jim will say, you know, it will confirm that he, has, he hasn't shut that that mistake, but I do like him. He's the type of centre-back I like, you know, likes getting on the ball, very comfortable on the ball and wants to, you know, move forward and start attack. So, uh, only good things, especially for England and, and definitely for City, if, you know, Stones can come back in and stake a claim for one of those spots. Yeah, he, yeah. he suits them, um, them Them games were like, yes, say Burnley. I mean, this time they tried to put three strikes up front. Every time Daesh comes to the SCR, he leaves battered and he can't really do anything about it. And I think that's a difference in quality, but when City have 80% of the ball and so much of the possession, John Stones' is head and shoulders above anyone we've got at centre-back. And that's, saying, and that's comparing to Laporte, who's a very good passer in his own right. But Stones just moves into midfield and gets a bit of confidence. And he's brilliant, but like Stan was alluding to, the mentality there to shake that mistake away just hasn't developed yet in him. And that's why I'm not getting too excited about it. I mean, it's just lovely to see. It's great to see him play well, but... I can't say, oh, yeah, we can bank him now for England and stuff because one mistake and he goes from a top, top player to just very, very shaky. It's yeah. so yeah. weird, you don't know what you're going to get with him and you can't have that as a centre-back, you need consistency. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, just from a Burnley perspective, obviously we've covered the City perspective. I think it's quite worrying. They've had one win in the last nine games uh, and that was a 1-0 home win to Crystal Palace and uh, I mean I know they normally get battered by City which Jim said then they've had uh, four out of the last seven games against City have, have finished 5-0 to City which you know isn't a very good record um, but they just don't look like the Burnley side that we used to I mean we spoke about it the other week we lumped them in together with Sheffield United who were also struggling and looking at their 11 I mean they did play Benson in Centre who I think it was his, his senior debut and obviously didn't have Nick Pope in net but past that Nine of that, you know, starting eleven are Burnley's, you know, best side for me, and and they just don't look like a Burnley side at all. Cut no fight. They didn't threaten City at all, like Jim's already said with Stones. He looked good, but 
he wasn't really challenged at all. You'd expect mm-hmm. Burnley maybe to chuck a few balls in. They had Wooden Barnes up front, who we know have been a prolific pairing for Burnley in the last couple of seasons. And just nothing. Do you think that the time has come for Burnley that they might have, you know, just reached the peak and they might be in that relegation battle properly this season? Oh, don't don't get me wrong. They're in it. They're 100% in it. I know they've got a game in hand on Sheff and West Brom, but five points from nine games, it's it's not good enough for, for that team. That, Like we said before, we associate Burnley with hard work. We associate them with fight, hard, just hard to play against, difficult to break down, but good defensively. That's basically how they got the Europa League one, winning games at home to nil, basically. Okay. Shutting Only- scenes... Out. I think it's only only Fulham have conceded more than Burnley in the league. I think there's a few on on seventeen with them. They've scored four in the first nine games, so that really is relegation form, isn't it? Yeah, that's definitely relegation form, and just the fact that it shows the lack of depth as well. Obviously, this isn't a game. I think Sean Dyche was realistically thinking they were going to win, but the fact that Peacock the other games in well, there. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, they've got that Peacock Farrell in there. I thought he was atrocious from the get-go. He was unlucky to not concede a sixth from his own yeah. fuck-up. And yeah. I just I just think he's awful. I thought that the mentality was bad, just the fact that that first goal goes in and Burnley's head go down straight away because they know, they know they've got nothing going forward and yeah. the squad's just not big enough. But sticking with big squads, Jim, what has Phil Foden got to do to get a start in this team? I thought he'd be a banker to play every single game this season, given that David Silver yeah. won't. Yeah, it's a weird one. I think, I think yeah. Because I'm a fan. Expecting... I'm a big fan. Yeah, no, obviously I am. He's been my favourite City player because of how he grew up there from the academy being there since he was nine. But I don't know, it's a weird one. For me, he does play well when he plays in that David Silver role, but he, he plays better when he's on the wing. But then... And the and the record Gundwan does have when playing there is actually quite surprisingly good. I was looking into it on the weekend, but I don't think Pep trusts anyone other than Gundwan to play there. And I think maybe we're approaching a point where you could even ask, should City have replaced David Silva? If the plan is for Foden to be a winger who cuts inside and plays inside and roams well, almost like a Jack Grealish kind of player, it's not actually a normal winger, more like an inverted one or whatever you want to call it. Then past Gundogan, he's got Bernardo there. It was been, he's been dreadful this season. Let's not put it wrong with her. He, he doesn't look like himself at all. And Bernardo's better on the wing, but he plays him in the middle. It's very confusing, and I can't honestly, I can't answer it. I mean, for me, Foden starts every single C game. He's one of the first names on the team sheet. I mean, there's a lot of inconsistent players there, especially this season. Even Raheem Sterling, who's been one of our best players last two seasons. I would say Phil Foden, <laughs> every time he plays for City, impressed. He came on and within 20 seconds, he put a perfect ball on Mara's head for the hat-trick. Some cross he, he's, he's, Yeah, he's brilliant. And then in the week, he'll play in the week against Porto. Um, and he'll play 90 minutes and he'll be City's best attacker and he'll be City's main man. It's like when we didn't play, we didn't take De Bruyne to Greece for the Olympiacos match. Phil Foden ran the show again. I don't know. I don't know what he has to do. Um, but he's getting a lot more minutes this season. Um, but he's still not enough. He's that good. He should be. He should be City's main, main, a main man to take a bit away of um, De Bruyne too. But yeah. I don't know. He loves Gundogan too much. It's hard to explain. And I don't no, hate Gundogan. It's weird. Yeah. Like the way I'm saying, I don't want to say well, put Gundogan off because he. Do, do I think, think he's a good think, player. He does well. But 
You think that's because he doesn't trust Rodri Ogundigan to play as a single pivot with Foden and De Bruyne in front? Yeah, yeah, maybe that is it. Um, yeah, I, th- I think he'd be right to not trust Rodri. He's not quick enough, I don't think, in the in the mind or on his feet to recover when he makes them mistakes. He presses quite highly, but for me, he's not a player who can play in that pivot. Yeah, um, he's a really, and he's not like a a CDM. He is kind of well, he can tackle. Like he's, he's he can tackle, obviously, but he is. He's almost like a Jorginho instead of a Kante. I th- I th- but I think Jorginho is very good at the thing where he, t- he gets the ball back to goal and he can mm-hmm. turn around and he'll space around him. Whereas Rodri, he loses it a lot there. Like you give him a yeah. quick throw now, a quick pass into his feet. And once you press him, I've seen him lose the ball quite a few times. I think Rodri's better than a man next to him. Not mm-hmm. in front of him, but actually next to him. And Gundogan can play there if we need him to, but realistically, you don't want him there in a big game. Yeah, just as we wrap up on City, Jim, I mean, what what about Fernandinho? Because obviously he did play uh, a part this weekend. And yeah. I, I thought I thought maybe he's the answer. I know he's about 70 years old now, but I'm pretty sure he could still help you out. Obviously, big squad, a lot of games. December's busy. Yeah, I'm, maybe in a normal season, but I'm, we're going to go into the injuries. And I was actually going to put in before about Burnley and Sheffield United. I think the reason why they're struggling is, is squad depth. There, there are two teams that don't use that many players, not as many as the likes of City do anyway. So they've had to go into that is that pool of players to fill in. Um watching Leicester now and they've done it all single season. I've seen a few players I've never never seen before. <laughs> um so Fernandino to come in realistically, he's gonna it's gonna be hard for say I don't I don't think so. I think he's gonna play a bit part. Um I think he's gonna play like an Aguero role. They can't the the two old now they can't do Three games a week. I mean, when we yeah. see Milner get injured on the weekend, it's it's curtains for the rest of him if he's getting hamstring injuries. Exactly, the the machine himself getting injured. But sticking with Liverpool, obviously, Jim's just brought James Milner up. It it, I honestly can't believe Adam Lallana. I I think I've seen it all with him. The guy comes on in the sixty third minute, and he goes off in the seventy first minute injured. This lad. I don't know who at Brighton authorised this 100k a week deal on or 80 grand a week or something he's on at Brighton, but you're an idiot for not getting this guy on pay as you play. Am I right here, Stan? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I thought it was a bit of a of a weird transfer. I know it was a free, but like you say, it was um, the wages are quite extortionate, especially for a player that will play as much as he does, especially with his injuries. Uh, maybe the best way was a pay a pay-as-you-play, but I mean, Brighton did maybe need a little bit of experience in the dressing room, and that seems to be where he's going to spend a lot of his time uh, on the bench. Only experience on the treatment table, that lad. That's the only experience he's got. Well, Lana's definitely got a lot of experience on the treatment table. I mean, like you say, I don't... um, Yeah, I I don't really understand that transfer. I don't know how much you would have given him even if he'd stayed fit. I think he's a tidy player, but I don't think he's any better than... No, he's probably done. He probably... Someone's probably told him that he's available and thought, oh shit, we could actually get Lana in here, Brian. Yeah, decent. And then they've just, they've just got really excited about it and run away a bit. I, I yeah. mean, I had an FM save once and I was sitting at Etienne and the, the opportunity to sign Yaya Torre on a free came up and I took it and he ruined the entire save because he was 33 <laughs> and he was on 300 grand a week and he got injured. <laughs> I just think it's a similar situation. You get excited about these big players. Yeah. You do. You yeah. want to get your fans yeah. to big players. It, yeah. it might be that, yeah. I, I, I and, don't know. And to stick one to those Saints boys, we took your Adam. <laughs> but no, the, 
just I, I just never understood it because obviously Andy Carroll famously is on a pay-as-you-play contract at Newcastle, which in the modern day is quite rare, I think, anyway. But I tell you what, this this game for the early kickoff, Mopay missed a pen, put a pen wide. Neil Mopay, I think he needs to get off him because he's having a bit of a shit season. Mopay, Salah, the width of an ounce dick offside for the Liverpool one that got ruled out. <laughs> Mopay Jot- came off as well, didn't he? Five, yeah. like five minutes after he missed the penalty. Jota still on fire. I have, I literally didn't think he would be this good. I know he's obviously yeah. good at Wolves and stuff, but when when you make that yeah. jump, you think there's a settling in period, but there's just not been. It's just hit the ground running. Yeah, it's a bit of a purple patch. Sometimes, you know, players can join clubs and they, and they smash it. I think he will level out over time. And if he doesn't, then, you know, future Ballon d'Or winner for Liverpool. So, fair enough. <laughs> Another so. one. <laughs> but no, it was... I'll ask Jim. Robertson's moaning about this penalty that got given at the end. That Obviously, Pascal Gross, lovely dispatched. But is it a pen for you? Because Robbo's moaning for consistency here, Jim. Yeah, it's one of them, and it's it's one of them where, at the start of when VAR was coming in, they promised that the laws and the refereeing of the game wouldn't actually change too much, and we was all saying, "Oh, this is a good thing for the game because them little decisions they'll just stay with the referee anyway, and they won't be putting everything into slow motion because a lot of tackles in slow motion look worse than they are in normal time." Mm. Um. And I think they've actually gone a bit rogue with it, VAR. And I can kind of see where they're coming from. Especially Henderson at the end, he wanted it scrapping. I, I can see where they're coming from. It's very easy to say when they drop points and it's bad timing for Liverpool. I think they look like losers and moaners. But see, they aren't, they're reffing the game differently, aren't they? It's not clear and obvious anymore. And we don't even bring it to the point where we just kind of accept it and don't even bring that up. I feel like yeah. it should just be clear and obvious things. We shouldn't be. Zoom yeah. in and putting it slow down. Just that, I mean, it's not... The decision, The original decision was that it wasn't a penalty and they've looked at it and they've ended up giving it. And like Jim says, the original reasoning for VAR or at least the reversal of decisions was if it was a clear and obvious error. And that just isn't a clear... Nobody's looking at that going, fucking hell, that's a penalty. Like, how's he missed that? Okay, yeah, okay. Well, bet toys it away and then... Robertson boots the underside of his foot, but it's not a clear and obvious error. That it's not a penalty for me. It isn't. No, it's I think not. It's, I think it's weak. I think you, a lot of people now forget that you are allowed to make contacts with players, like, and not every single contact is a foul. Okay, he kicked his foot, but yeah. especially like like I say, when the original decision on the pitch was it's not, and they've reversed it. It's not a clear and obvious error at all. Um, when, we, when, when, when it came in, we thought. Worst. No, I was just going to say, remember when, when, when VAR came in, we thought, oh, there can be no discussion now about <laughs> thingy. That's going to be boring. We actually thought, oh, it's going to be boring. There's going to yeah. be no controversy. Worse. It's exactly the same, if not worse. Even worse. I mean, Robertson came out today and said that there was, there was a, a penalty in the United game, which, I mean, if that Robertson one's given, then the Rashford one has to be given, where. Ward Prowse kicks Rashford and doesn't get the ball. For me, again, it's not a penalty because there's not enough. But if you look, if you're giving that against Robertson, you give that against Rashford. Um, yeah. and Robertson it's all they want consistency in it. It's consistency, and the players don't know the rules. And the, the other matter is that players now, and I can't really blame them, are chucking themselves onto the floor if they feel any contacts in the box. Because as Jim says, if you slow it down and look at it from 15 different angles, 
there's a good chance yeah. that it'll get given. That's and just happening. just before we move on, Jim, to discussing about obviously Klopp's altercation with Des Kelly, the reporter. Here's an idea I'm going to throw out to the to the Wolves. The Wolves being you two, <laughs> every VAR decision has to be observed at full speed. Well, no, because there's some like I mean, I'm just going to bring you back to Maradona. When I first seen the hand, a god goal, I thought he edited it. So <laughs> maybe not. Yeah, you didn't have your glasses on that day, Jim. You didn't have your glasses on that day. <laughs> I um, I would retort with that by saying just get rid of the AR. That's what I'd say. Oh, stands out. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd have to get rid of it. I'd, I'd, I don't know. I feel like you can bring in some sort of system for offside, but we don't need to be slowing down tackles. You could, yeah. Daylight maybe a, a certain amount of distance, and if he's within that yeah, offside, I don't know. But it's still consistency. I think that's the issue. The, the offside is black and white. You don't like it, mm. whatever. But it, it's the same for everybody. It's the penalties and stuff like that, the subjectivity. Yeah, I don't, I don't have the solution. But what I, what, what I would want, want from the game is that we get to a point where we're not discussing the discussing these decisions because I genuinely don't enjoy it at all. No. Like the less I talk about how a game is ref and all the rules, then the better. It's like yeah. the handball. I mean, at the start of the season, I think Palace had one for them against us, where Lindelof was running and they flicked it up, and it was handball. They had one the week after against them for very similar, and then they changed the handball rule three games into the season. Yes, yeah, it's, it's like, so nobody stupid. knows where they stand. Like it's, it's, it's mental, and you've obviously got the, the issue of scoring a goal. And pretty much, I don't, I don't know if you two do this. I think everybody does this. There's a like one, two, three second gap where you think, is he offside? Is he not? It's sh- it shit. And then you go, yes. And then I even did it yesterday. Then you're thinking the commentator's going to go, oh, actually, is is his foot off? And then they get the yeah. fucking lines out, and it's like, what was it? Just, was it the was it the Scot- 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 Scotland goalkeeper? Who made the penalty save to put the team through? It's like the yours first time in twenty years, and the first thing mm. he did was look to the linesman and wait for the VAR thing. It's like I know. Jesus. And by the time it, it decided, all the players were already already there. It was David exactly. Marshall. It, 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 it's gonna it's gonna sound dramatic, but one of the main reasons we watch football is for those moments. Those moments where something fucking happens and you fall down five rolls of seats, or you fucking kiss the man next to you and you've never met before and you'll never see again. On the fucking head, on his big balls, hey, he had. Hey, Stan, don't, don't going... tell us your Saturday nights on this podcast. <laughs> don't be trying to give everyone a little peek behind the curtain, Stan. And you, and you can't because half the crowd's going, yeah, the other crowd's going, I think that's offside. And then it's going VAR review and you're all like, fuck me. Could you imagine if Aguero scored that goal and it said VAR review? He'd still oh. go mental, but... Me. That moment would be ruined a little bit, wouldn't it? Yeah, like uh, uh, it's not just us. There's a lot of people falling out of love with the game, and it's and it's not necessarily anything to do with the players. It's how it's fucking ruled and other stuff like. like we're talk about that. Yeah, we'll talk about it now. Then the, the Des Kelly uh, Klopp situation. Lou, what did you make of what Klopp was saying about uh, BT and Sky playing a pine? What times? Liverpool play games I just think shut up moaning you're an elite level side who is recognised as one of the best teams in the world playing in all competitions and you're moaning about being the early kickoff. Chelsea had to do it last week we played on Wednesday in Wren we had to play at Newcastle 300 miles away from London on the Saturday of the early kickoff. it happens that is the price that you pay for being an elite level club and Klopp is just embarrassing himself at the moment because he's the worst sore loser ever in the first place. And the fact that he's he's saying to Des Kelly, 
who asked him, has Milner done his hamstring? Yeah, congratulations. Like, it's him who picks the kickoff time. He's just being an idiot. Get some perspective. Obviously, Des Kelly isn't doing, isn't picking the kickoff times, but he's going, no, but you work for him. Oh, brilliant. Fantastic. I'm pretty sure Hitler had a cook. Don't mean that he did bad things. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I don't really know where I stand with it, you know. Because... Allegedly. I, 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 think, I, know, I know what you mean about him being a sore loser because the only time you ever moan is when Liverpool drop points. And it just true that. That's good. so true. He always but, does it. Yeah, but at the same time, I, I always listen to him and think, yeah, he's got a point. <laughs> I kind of like what he said. But then again, I kind of like how Des Kelly stood up for himself. Stan, like do, you agree, do you agree with Klopp? Um, it's one of those things I don't think it has to be binary I think I agree with both sides of the party to be honest um, I sympathise with both I think um, the broadcasters obviously they have certain slots and they bid for slots I think Sky tends to have the the pick on most of the slots most weekends uh, obviously we know BT has that half 12 which is the one that tends to be causing the issues it's the one that Klopp's had a go at Des Kelly and it's the one where Solskjaer had a go at think well less of a goal but brought it up at least um, the other week against Everton and I think maybe if it's difficult enough for those broadcasters to you know especially BT when Sky first picked to get a good game for their slot and I think if you're saying to them right you can't have the two Champions League teams that play on the Wednesday you can't have any of the Europa League teams that play on the Thursday Sky get first pick of everything else you're left with West Brom versus Burnley for your R12 most weeks or a game similar to that. And I think that's unfair with the amount of money that they're paying. But at the same time, I do agree with Klopp that it's not BT and Sky's fault necessarily because um, they get a lot of money from it. Uh, and the slots are the slots and they've been that way for years and years. R12, 3, R5 and then you know, you got the 2s and the R4s and whatever on the, on the Sunday. Um I think the conversation needs to be had with maybe the Premier League or whatever, or the FA, because I don't think that the cup competitions, yeah, we've, we've spoke about it before, the FA Cup and the League Cup, I don't think they should be on. Or if you want to keep them on, I think the club should have been offered the opportunity to opt out of them. Uh, international shouldn't be on, we spoke about that as well. And I think if you've got the Premier League and the Champions League, uh, the Europa League for obviously the other clubs, and then obviously every other league just has their division, and the cups if you want to play in it, I think that would have been more manageable. Uh, so I sympathise for both sides. I think the schedule is massively hectic and it doesn't have to be. You're not telling me they have to play the FA Cup or the Carabao Cup. There's, can't, there's, no, not, there's, not, there's not a lot of money in that for the winner. These, these international breaks are pointless. We spoke about yeah, it a number of times. Um, so I do sympathise with both. But like Cook says, the problem isn't with BT. You need to have the conversation with you know, Premier League and stuff like that. Maybe there's a way that they can yeah, sort I, it out. I think something play Tuesday. I think something we've all dreamed of in the Premier League is some sort of like Netflix kind of like system where the Premier League own it. We don't have these broadcasts anywhere you pay monthly and and that way by not giving game time to the highest bidder and starting off this bidding war between Sky and BT, you can choose, you can pick and choose and have different times of the day and especially now I know fans you can kind of be a bit fle- more flexible with it and Obviously, BT, like you say, are going to pick the big, biggest team to play on a Saturday. And Klopp mentioned that Liverpool played there the most times last year. Well, yeah, because he was the best team in the league last year, obviously. Um, so I think in an ideal world, if we had some sort of system, like a Premier League Netflix, then they could put games on whenever they wanted because 
they're not. But then, then again, now we're at a point where they're making too much money. So yeah, like the network, Jim, like the WWE network, for example. Like so many sports, the NBA, the NFL. But then in the countries, they have the same problems as we do. Um, Yeah, so I I don't know. It's one of those things where I think there's so much money in it, like you say, and I think especially Sky, they've had their hands on it for so long, it would be almost impossible for the Premier League to take over completely and, and run everything. Um, and like I say, I sympathise with both because the broadcasters are going, hang on a minute, you know, the amount of TV money you get from us is huge. Uh, and then obviously on the flip side, Klopp maybe yeah, it is because he's lost, uh, you know, he's taking things out on BT. Um I do understand why Klopp is frustrated as well. Not only that VAR decision might have something to do with it and the fact they just dropped two points, but I do think there are a lot of pointless games being played this season, especially the internationals breaking bubbles. I understand Champions League because you can stay in your club bubble. Yes, there it is. Every week. That's cut Stan right off. And on to United we go. Thank you, Ice Cream Van. I know, Cavani. (laughs) Dan, uh, I said it yeah. before, the best movement in the game. Yeah. Um... Not the best Instagram account in the game, though. Oh, definitely not. Maybe the most racist, <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> well, come on to that. Um, yeah, I thought... I thought <laughs> actually, actually thought United were the better team for pretty much the whole game, 70 minutes of the game. Um, we started off the best team, could have scored two. Uh, great save by McCarthy on Bruno and Greenwood took it too wide of the keeper and hit the side net in. And then, I mean, there was two things that Southampton do really well, and that's the pressure high really, really well and effectively and set pieces. And I thought we got the tactics spot on with the press. I thought we played through them and they couldn't really get close to us for the whole game. But we failed on the set pieces where they scored off the first corner and we gave a silly free kick away on the edge of the box. Yeah, that McCarthy, he's actually made some... Like amazing saves recently. I was noticed he makes a big one, and he's been so good for Southampton. I think, but yeah, I don't. They said some stat. I think um, when we scored, I don't think Southampton conceded for five hours at home. Yeah, um, he makes some cr- yeah. like cracking saves, and he couldn't really much too too much about the goals. But no, I think De Gea was poor for the especially for the free kick. He kind of was a bit elbows for the corner too. I'm not saying it's his fault. It was near post one. It should be his defender side. Yeah. Out, but it was hiding behind him. And he came on off at our time, and obviously Henderson came on. Um, I think it was a knee injury, was it? Or a fine? Yeah, his knee on the post, didn't he? His knee on the post. Do you see this as a potential way in for Henderson? Because I don't, I didn't think I could see it happening at United, but maybe with an injury, that's the way yeah. you can get in. I think the only way Henderson was going to get in is, is if there was a De Gea injury, because Henderson's had the odd cup game and he had a Champions League game and things like that. Um, so, yeah, this is the way he was going to get in. I don't actually think there's that much between them. I think they're both better at certain things. But, obviously, Henderson is a few years younger. And it's more of a clean slate. We know De Gea has had quite a lot of mistakes in the past 18, 18 months to two years. And he came on and, and looked really solid. So, yeah, like you say, I think De Gea's got a scan on his knee. <laughs> there's that fucking ice cream van again. It's on its way back around now. Chuck us a screwball, Jim. Um, Get us a 99, Jay. And yeah, Henderson <laughs> did really well, but the... As Cooks already alluded to, the substitution of the game was Edinson Cavani at half-time. Um, scored two and assisted. Two diving headers as well. Um, both, you know, very good goals. I mean, his, his, his runs for his movement, for like like, uh, like Cooks said, for both goals was. That of a number nine, it shows how important they are to have in your side and, you know, why they are so few and far between uh, around the world to have such such a good one. And it looks like United 
have done some very good business getting him in on a on a free. Great I'm goals, a big but fan. Alluding, alluding back to the VAR, he scored that diving header, and I was like, "Yeah!" When he ran off celebrating it, there was about a three-second gap for me thinking, "Fucking hell, is he offside? Did he handball it? Is this that? Whatever? I don't even know anything." Um, but no, it, it went in, and I think, yeah. I think that's something ridiculous. Like the third or fourth time where Southampton has been two 0 up against us, and we've ended up winning three so. two. Yeah, it seems like it's three two or three two every single time you play each other. Yeah, the, before this, it was four four draws in a row. Um, we had a two nil. We had a three two at home. I actually, watched Alec Cooks. Andreas Pereira scored a lovely goal. And the did you come back? Did you come back last season? Um, late on against these, or did they come no. back against you when it was two all? They, they scored a, off a corner. Yeah, about in the ninetieth minute. Yeah, two, so. I remember that one. Um, obviously, we had the RVP hat trick. Uh, I think we've had a few like that. So, um, I. Honestly, thought we deserved it, and you know, a few good records from the game were, you know, best away streak and things like that. Um, only three league losses since we played Burnley. Funnily enough, they've been mentioned at Old Trafford. They beat us two 0 We've lost three league games since then. Only Bayern have lost less in Europe. So there's a few good things for us. It's just let's hope we can can win at home. But Cavani, brilliant. Bruno goal and an assist, and he didn't even play well. I think at half time he'd attempted 19 passes in their final third and only completed eight or nine. So really not a good game but he just he's so effective in and around that area and so effective for us and if he plays well um, you know United seemed to do well and he did well in that second half so no complaints at all United needed that win to uh, you know get some consistency going and I think it's good that we came back in the way that we did with that late goal yeah, yeah. I think United are good I think United have got a, a good player in there Jim obviously he's, he'll be 34 in February Edison Cavani but if he's managed correctly quite similar to the Thiago Silva situation but a bit more well say a bit more difficult for Cavani Jim given that he's a, a front man but like I said if managed correctly some signing for United deadly in the yeah. box I mean Stan knows but I've always been a fan it's the movement it's a different my kind of striker to watch he's I don't know, he's very selfless. Um, I quite like that by striker. I always love Luca, um, not Luca Tony. I do love Luca Tony, but Francesco Totti. Um, I like that kind of striker. I'm sorry, I'm a big fan of Firmino. So, and mm. yeah, just just great player. He, he, he's got everything. He's quick. He's strong. Good in the air. Not many strikers are good in the air nowadays, actually. To be fair, so no, it's quite it's quite refreshing to see. They don't. There's being big and strong and winning headers, but there's actually being good with your head and. Cavani showed that he is, and he does. He, he, he finds himself in in spaces that you know it isn't by accident. I mean, he, talking about that header, he had a there was a cross that looked like it was going over him, and he managed to get his head on it and nearly loop it into the far corner. I mean, and you talk about his age and, and you know how selfless he is. I, I had no idea how much of a shift in a shift he puts in. Absolutely presses from the front. Bruno's exactly that, the same. That's, that's the thing that's about him that I love and the players work. Yeah, yeah. I, I do love that about a striker. That's why I, I love Tevez too. I think it's a South American thing that Suarez is the same. And um, I mean, we'll briefly mention it. We won't talk about it too long because there's a lot of there's a lot of fit things in language that we don't fully yeah. appreciate. Maybe I don't know, but Cavani could be facing a free game ban, Cook, um, and it's hard to see him not get it with um, previous players such as like Deli Ali and Bernardo. I think. A lot of people would compare it to the Suarez situation, but I think it's more of a comparable situation to the Bernardo Silva and Deli Ali because he's done on yeah. social media. It's kind yeah. of friendly too. It's not against a former player. Um, but yeah, any any thoughts on that one? He's very silly, wasn't it? Well, I'm trying to not get cancelled 
when I say <laughs> this because cancer culture, cancer, bloody hell, cancel <laughs> culture is a big thing at the moment. But I don't, I don't want to say I feel sorry for him, but I think he's genuinely just made a mistake. I don't think Edison Cavani is racist at all, but I just think it's. I just think it's been lost in translation. I know that's probably a bit of a cop out thing to say, but I genuinely think that's what's happened. No, I agree with you. I mean, uh, loads of people are saying that it's 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 all about context. Like Jim says, it's a lot more like the Bernardo, where he said it to a friend who that friend probably isn't offended, but you can't get away with saying things like that. Um, and I think it's quite right, you know, that he, he will get punished because you know you might be able to get away with that in South America, but it means different things here and you have to get used to that. So I think it will be a lesson learned for, for Cavani, whether it's, you know, a game or three games or a fine, whatever. I think um, it needs to be done really because yeah, can't get away with that here. Sorry, Edinson, keep scoring and diving it, headers and stop posting. And it should, be, it should be a lesson to learn to any new South Americans or Uruguayans that come to the Premier League. They should be briefed about that kind of thing now. Juarez has definitely told him we like it here. Hello and welcome back to That's The Way The Cookie Crumbles and we are going to talk about something that is uh, very important in our game and perhaps sometimes overlooked compared to other contact sports. Um, it's, it's about head injuries, concussions and as you know, you will know by now that unfortunately Raul Jimenez has suffered a fractured skull but he is uh, recovering comfortably in hospital uh, following surgery. So if you might have seen the video with obviously no fan, no fans in the stadium where the corner was crossed in by William and David Luiz and Raul Jimenez both jump up for the header and there is a blood curdling crunch uh, and obviously we know that now that they did clash heads and that is what fractured Raul Jimenez's skull. So I mean the first question is why did David Luiz stay on the pitch for an extra twenty odd minutes, especially with a bandage on his head? that um, eventually started to seep blood uh, and he did need seven stitches uh, after he came off at our time. So is there any explanation why he stayed on the pitch? I mean, I know Troy Deeney's come out today saying, oh, well, uh, you're taking so much away from the players. I think if a player says he's fine to the doctor, then, you know, he's all right. Which, you know, one of the whole points of concussion is that they don't fucking know what's happened, so they're not going to tell you whether they're fine or not. Yeah, that's a very um, dangerous point of view to have. It it's all, it's all it well and fun, like laughing at Talksport, um, the little clips he put on Twitter, and how clickbait he is. But that's just dangerous because really, it, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't even be team doctors. I don't think. I think it should be independent, an independent team at the Premier League grounds um, assessing whether a player can come back and play in these situations. For me, it was maddening. I was watching yeah. him, my dad and brother, both saying, all saying. As if he's going to play on, uh, because when he first gets up and they're putting the bandage around his head, he go he kneels down again. It's like he looks dazed. He can't even stand up, and then like I say, it's bleeding. It's like looks like Terry Butcher from back in the day. Hmm. And I, I, I don't Butcher. know. I was watching it. <laughs> but I was watching it. Go yeah, on. sorry. Go on. No, I was just no, going to say it shouldn't. It shouldn't. It shouldn't be allowed. I mean, it had head collisions of that sort. Obviously, you have you know, times where you jump up for a header and you get elbowed or maybe you clash heads and stuff like that and then you get straight back up. But ones, like you say, where they might stay down for a period of time or they have to kneel down and in, in any way, shape or forms have to maybe get themselves back to normal where they can even stand up and get moving. They should be off the pitch. It shouldn't yeah, even be... That, that one was, was a horrible one and all yeah. I could think of was the work. Like, 
especially with no crowd noise, and you could hear the connection. It was it was fucking it was awful to hear. And then mm-hmm. all I could think about was the worst thing because I remember um, when I was growing up as a City fan, Marvin Vinfoe, and he died from two head injuries. It was just a ball hitting him on the head at that time. It wasn't even a big collision. I was thinking. If, if he has to head another ball or go in for another tackle and, or blocks a shot of his head, which Gabriel did in the second half, and Gabriel went down for two minutes or so. Yeah. And I was just thinking, like, like the worst could literally happen. It's, it's not over-exaggerating. <laughs> and for a game of football, too, it's not worth risking your life on. And, no. and players will, because that's just how they're brought up and they play football. They're going to carry on until we physically can't, yeah. aren't they? So he just... definitely shouldn't be in their hands. Football just seems so far behind Cook. I mean, there's other sports like rugby league. If, you know, concussion, you know, protocol is just so much further ahead. There's so much more protected. Anything like that, they're off and they can't come back on. That's it. Then they have scans and potentially they can't play for another few games after that, depending on what comes back from those scans. Uh, They definitely would not be allowed to go, yeah, no, I'm fine, and then stay on for an extra 20-odd minutes. Um, Do you think it needs to change? Do you think maybe there could be... A substi- an extra substitute for concussion injuries or do you think they, they are allowed? Do you agree with Chardini saying that, you know, the player can say, no, yeah, thumbs up. I mean, I, I remember 2014, was it the World Cup final when Christoph Kramer went down and got back up and was like, no, yeah, I'm fine. And then about five minutes later, asked the referee, like, what game it was. Yeah. And eventually think- ended up going off. But he said he was fine. Oh, no, no, I'm fine. And then... The ref went, no, he's just asked me what game this is. He doesn't even know that he's in a World Cup final or semi-final, yeah. whatever it was. So I think I just think that in in the Prem, well, I think for a start, there shouldn't be an extra sub for it because I just think people would take advantage of it and just say they've got a head injury because who, who who's going to say otherwise on the pitch there and then? You're not going to get a neurologist down there and go, hey, he's Billy Bullshit and he's actually all right. They're just going to get another striker on the pitch. Yeah. But I think an, another organisation that has basically just ignored the concussion thing only recently have started doing more on it is the nfl if you've there's a really good film titled concussion starring will smith it's really good it's about him basically going around and explaining to nfl teams this is what's happening these are people's brains and if it carries on this is what's going to happen they're going to get alzheimer's earlier they're going to get potential schizophrenia earlier like all that sort of stuff and it links back to obviously what Gareth Southgate saying and links to the the Bobby Charlton situation, I think, as well. Just because of obviously recently he's suffered with dementia. It's come out that he, he's been diagnosed with that. And I just think they, they need to do more for concussions. A player shouldn't be allowed to say, I'm okay, even if they're not. The doctor needs to make a human decision. And that's the, the word that I'm highlighting there. A human decision not a team decision to keep him on the pitch. Because like yeah. Stans just said, you can't be ask, having a player ask the ref, where am I? It's, that's just, wrong. Well, that's why I think it should be an independent team of doctors yeah. doing it. And at the end of the day, it's a game of football, for fuck's sake. Like, he really isn't that yeah. important to be, get, to be getting Alzheimer's and no. serious lifelong injuries. But, I mean, it was only the Friday when we were watching the um, Rugby League Grand Final and I forget the name. Every, someone came off a concussion. He was off about 10 minutes and came back on because they did the post-call. And uh, a league as rich as the Premier League and as watched the Premier League shouldn't be, be behind the Rugby League in no. terms of concussion and stuff like that. Especially with... Shearer was... Um, was it Shearer who did the documentary about... Yeah, head it was the, good. He was yeah. speaking about heading the ball, wasn't he? And he was... Yeah. 
rightly livid on match of the day two, which he was on. Um, and I can only imagine how he was feeling after making a full documentary and seeing the actual stats and it all. That's heading the ball. And the fact that the fact that Louise played last night, I don't think there's anyone who's going to say it's not baffling. Yeah, I mean, we speak as well. Sorry, stop. No, I was just going to say we need to we need to potentially speak about as well that Raul Jimenez may never play football again. It might be a very similar situation to Ryan Mason. I don't know if people remember that one playing for Tottenham. He never played again. Sorry, playing for yeah. Hull against. Yeah, Tottenham. It, was, it was Hull's record signing. He was against Chelsea. He went oh, against Chelsea. Sorry, Gary Cahill and Gary Cahill, obviously, absolutely no malice, and it's one of those things that happen in the game. And, you know, like you say, Ryan Mason fractured his skull at 26 years old and never played football again. Obviously, Jimenez is a few years older. Don't know whether that will make a difference at all. But like you've rightly said, there is a chance that he may never come back again and it might take another career ended uh, for the FA and, you know, the Premier League at least to, to do something about concussion because we've spoken before about concussion. Um, you know, clashes of heads, they need to do more, they need to do more. And unfortunately, it looks like it might have taken a career-ending injury to mm. a striker who was hitting his peak. We spoke recently about in, in his prime. In his prime, yeah, yeah in in his prime with with more to give. You know, he's blooming pretty late, but we've spoken before about pretty much he would walk into the starting eleven of the other top six sides quite easily. That is the level of the player, and unfortunately, it looks like it's took that type of injury. And obviously, what what happened with David Luiz for them to to start yeah. having this conversation again and it's just not it, good enough it's that serious it's not even a case of he'd be lucky to come back and play again he'd be lucky to not have any properly lasting brain injuries like Ryan Mason was very lucky that he'd, he'd recovered in the way he did and he went through a lot of health problems for a year a disastrous year and Jimenez would be lucky if he didn't have the same over the next 12 months it, it, that the last thing on people's minds should be thinking of him coming back playing football it's I just hope he's okay. The the report that he is responding to treatment and he we will recover. But have you seen the still? There's a pic. I don't know if you've seen it because obviously Sky didn't show and they don't show stuff like that, do they? Like in slow motion. They didn't show but, the Moamba one years ago either. When when that no, happened, they, they don't use it. It's like that. But there was a picture in one of the papers and it was literally the moment Louise collides with his head and half of him and as his literal skull you can literally see it coming it's, it's, it's horrible I'll, I'll show you but it's not nice yeah I mean it's it's like I say it's sad that it's took this to uh, to have to have the conversation and you know the fact that you've got two you've got a player that we now know has fractured his skull that was laid there you know completely still not, not moving at all really and the decision was, you know, it was allowed that the other one was allowed to look. I mean, David Luiz obviously got off lightly with regards to what's happened to Jimenez, but for one to be lay there lifeless, and like I say, we now know he's got a fractured skull, the other one has made a significant contact with Raul Jimenez, and yet he's allowed to stay on. Um, it, it just baffles me. Uh, there, there needs to be a real conversation about it. No, the the dozen. Obviously, we, we won't talk too much about it because it's, it's not a nice way to really... Uh, speak about Raul Jimenez because like we said obviously one of the league's best strikers coming into his prime and like Jim rightly said uh, the aforementioned talk of him before just we hope he's okay and one day Raul we do hope to see you grace a Premier League pitch but if that's not the case we hope to see you just carry on just living really living as normal life as you can given how serious it is because like Stan and Jim said it's it's a fractured fucking skull at the end of the day
Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, get your betting apps at the ready because I've got a winner for you for Saturday, December the 5th. I'm in Christmas spirit. So Santa Cook is coming to town with Bet of the Week. First of all, we've gone for the early kickoff at Burnley versus Everton. Under two and a half goals. The curse of the early. Will it strike again? Tune in. Second, Manchester City to win to nil at home to Fulham. Thirdly, on Stan's comeback just at the perfect time there, Manchester United, maybe with or without Edison Cavani, we don't know yet, away at West Ham United and Chelsea at home to Leeds. So just to recap, the bet of the week, it's roughly getting in at around 10 to 1 at the moment. So just to recap, Burnley versus Everton, under 2.5 goals. Man City to win to nil at home to Fulham. Man United to win away at West Ham. And Chelsea to win at home to Leeds. And Stan, what can the punters do with that? You can shove it up your rackers. Okay, listeners, it is that time where we have to love you and leave you, unfortunately. iTunes and Spotify have just said we're getting far too many listeners so we're going to have to cut this one a bit short this week. But if you if we've not tickled you enough, if we've not ticked that cookie pod fetish box, then you can follow us at cookie podcast, followed by the number one on Twitter and Instagram. And if you want to find us on any podcast device, it is just that's the way the cookie crumbles. And like we said before, me and Jim did record a little Diego Maradona tribute, Jim, didn't we? Yeah, we give we give the cookers cook cookers. That's the new names <laughs> for our listeners. You cookers. <laughs> anyway, yeah, uh, you cookers out there who listen, yeah. thanks for all your listens. Um, it was a, a first for the podcast, a midweek special uh, for Don Diego and the passing, the sad passing of a footballing legend. Um, I'd urge anyone who's not as clued up as we got over the past week about Maradona to go and give it a listen. Just learn about football. I think all football lovers should learn a little bit more about Maradona if you don't know enough about him already because it's a great story and is a reason why so many footballers have grew up loving the game that we love. Um, so, yeah, and if anyone wants any more of them specials midweek, me and Cookie thoroughly enjoyed diving into a, a subject. Um, I'm sure there's scope for some more, in the Cook? Yeah, we'll try not, like we said on the podcast, we'll not, we'll try and not do it every time the Grim Reaper comes out. We'll try and do some happy ones. But this one, when it when it happened with Maradona, we did immediately just say, I think we should do a podcast because I feel like he, he deserved his own podcast just because there's just far too much to talk about. But if you, if you haven't heard of it, give it a listen. And if you can't listen to all of it keep checking our youtube channel because there are little clips that get thrown on there so don't miss out man and that's been episode 87 and that's the way the cookie crumbles Silly.